0: Edition of Turn out a Punk. I'm your host Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had the life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest, one of the most universally beloved people in Toronto from the band Some 41. Dave Baksh is here today and he's also from the band Brown Brigade, also uh, organ thieves. He's he's done some other things, 747. It, it, but this is this is one of those all-time episodes, I, I promise you. But before you get to that, first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, at a Punk podcast at gmail.com. That is written by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. And he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do for the show. I really, Really do appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by telling all your friends about it. You can also subscribe to it and rate it on iTunes. And thank you to everyone that does do that. I really do appreciate it. You can also uh, head over to patreon.com slash turned out punk and check out the stuff we do over on the Patreon. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you the people to support the show that way. And speaking of support, this show would not be possible. With the kind loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, do what you do. Just, just don't do it out of your own pocket anymore. And I really appreciate them helping me cover the cost of this thing. And I, I long, I long for the day to be back at a house of Vans doing a live turned out a punk episode, but we we'll, we'll get there. I truly believe we will get there. If you're looking for something to do in the meantime, Fucked Up has put out a 90 minute long, 90 plus minute long song called Year of the Horse. Uh, You can check it over there at the Fucked Up Bandcamp. And uh, yeah, that is that. All right. On to today's show. Today on the show, from, you know, legitimately the biggest punk band ever from Canada, Dave Box is here from Sum 41 and... You know, he is, as I said off the top, someone that no matter who you talk to from here is beloved. I think he is one of my favorite guitar players Uh, years ago. and We talk about this on the show, so spoiler for what's coming up. Uh, Just after he left Sum 41, uh, he did a tape, like an instrumental tape before Brown Brigade came together. And I got a copy of this tape and I remember loving the song on it. And wanting to do an audition for him. Uh, because I, I just think he can write a riff. This guy knows how to write a song. And I'm not alone in saying it. Like this, as I say, this is a band that has sold <laughs> like circles around every other punk band from Canada. Like it's it's wild when you start getting into to all the, uh, just how big this band is. And, and has been for years, years all over the world. Uh, they have a new-ish Record that um, is called "Order in Decline" on Hopeless. You can check that out. Uh, it's I'm sure it's everywhere uh, now in stores, but obviously it's everywhere online as well. And I'm they're probably going to be working on some new stuff. There's was talk of them doing a tour in Australia with The Offspring. That's going to be rescheduled soon. And of course they will be touring extensively. But this is oh, I've wanted to do this for so long <laughs> to get a chance to talk to them like this. Uh, he is a guy who grew up in the same place in the same time as I did. So there's a lot of common reference points. Uh, this gets a little, a little deep into the Toronto lore. So bear with us, but, oh, I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm not going to yammer on anymore. Here's Dave Bach on turned out a punk.
1: Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh man, no problem. I mean, I can't believe that it has taken what it like this is now the fifth month since the request came through. Yeah. Well, it's been a but don't do not worry about that
0: because I've wanted to talk to you for literally years. I remember when you first left some 41 and you had like just the instrumental demo that you had done floating around i got a copy of it and i was desperately trying to get in touch with you being like i want to do vocals on this thing so i feel like this has been almost like weirdly almost like what
1: 15 plus years in the making at this point oh i wish you would have reached out to me i hate i hate i hate singing (laughs) <laughs> so, like that whole that whole brown brigade record while doing vocals i i i really and you can hear it in my voice on that record it's like i'm second guessing every syllable man like it would have been great to have you out for that well do not worry well one day hopefully we can collaborate now that we've made this connection all these years later yeah yeah i think at this point now uh vaughn and i if we were to do another brown brigade record we would have to call it guineas democracy <laughs> well
0: uh we will talk about that uh we'll probably get to that actually we move at a snail's pace on this show so we might not get to that i gotta be (laughs) honest that's all good but
1: dave i gotta start this off the way they all start off which is how did you get into punk oh man um it would actually be uh do you remember a band called uh not by choice absolutely (laughs) yeah so the the front man mike and i we used to um uh we knew each other Oh, gosh, through a frontman of a band I played in called 747. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got together every now and then, and we'd just kind of like play NHL in his basement. He'd kind of like, we'd drink beer, eat smoke butts, and we'd just play NHL. And he just would have uh, punk rock on. And to that point, I was just kind of all, all up in the metal scene, right? So all I really knew as far as music was like the the reggae and the uh of course the 80s pop i grew up on that was just readily available by the record player and uh all of a sudden like um it was suburban teenage wasteland blues that kind of had everything kind of come together and make sense for me as far as um as far as my first kind of like oh what is this beyond like the clash and the sex pistols and know the misfits the 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 obvious ones that that um kind of leaked their way into heavy metal as as you're growing up with that Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah so that that record there and uh i mean even population control uh was a killer tune as well that um that was off a previous record from that by by strung out and it i I was just kind of like oh what is this and he's just like oh it's strung out i'm like whoa it's like it's like thrash metal but like way more raw it was like like punk rockers that can play and he's like and kind of explained to me how like a lot of uh the the wave of punk that we were listening to uh, a lot of the metal dudes kind of like got tired of playing metal because i mean let's face it like the the genre the genre kind of got washed around that time around like like um you know 92 94 and, um, just like that raw kind of do-it-yourself attitude all of a sudden was was uh was being born again Mm -hmm. and it was being born through these bands that kind of uh shaped and molded uh a lot of my guitar style
0: it's fascinating when you look at that kind of wave of bands that you're describing like Trevor Keith was just on the show from face to face and he's definitely what you're describing like someone who was you know in a metal until like the late 80s and then just kind of felt like that scene was dying off early 90s i should say and then you know they they become face to face and and it's it's funny even there's like a lot of people that have been on the show that were you know like into punk in then into metal and then at this point being like yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of out of metal and kind of going back into punk again you know it's it felt like like you're saying there's like this real crossing over back again from metal into punk
1: yeah it's it's so wild to to have um lived as long as we've lived so far first we made it yes <laughs> congratulations yes <for> barely <laughs> barely <Yeah. laughs> but um just to see the um it's almost like the the genesis of another wave has been so cool i mean and not just within punk rock like uh seeing um the the next uh like the changing of the guard as far as like the handing on sorry the handing of the torch to the next wave of indie has been kind of cool too because this time around like indie rockers are a lot nicer than they used to be yeah yes like they used to be so fucking mean to us man like it was it was <laughs> it was rough being a teenager around those cats well but that's the thing though you guys were hanging out with like brendan canning
0: like it was it, it was such a weird period in canadian especially specifically toronto music where you guys first kind of i guess we're, were kind of w- working with greg and you know hanging out with brendan canning and yeah the dudes from len like it was it was very much like the indie scene and then there was like this sort of
1: separate punk scene that we were all i guess coming from but it's wild because um, just even talking about uh, guys like Brandon, Brendan, Canning and, and especially Mark too. like Mark was such uh, he was an encyclopedia of music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember him and I really bonded over um, over 90s rap. And uh, he was just like he was showing me all this stuff and introduced me to like audio two. You know what I mean? I, I bet he doesn't even remember. Like I, I, uh, it was one of the first nights I, I went over to go hang with him and, um, uh, Derek and Steve took me, they'd, they'd been hanging with him for a little bit and he was thinking of working with the band and they were like, Oh, you got to meet our guitar player." So of course, like they're like, all right, so you gotta be cool with Mark. You can't like, you can't like go crazy. Like we're not there doing anything nuts. And of course, like the, First thing i do is like i get there and i'm just i got bubble guts right (laughs) so i i drop one in his toilet and the fucking handle breaks (laughs) so the first time i'm meeting the dude in this band where i'm like oh i really fucking like this band and we love hip-hop and and i'm like oh man you know like how we were talking about audio two before and he's like yeah and i'm like well we got to talk about another type of number two and <laughs> and uh yeah yeah i think i broke your toilet oh, so, that's <laughs> awesome yeah well uh-huh. yeah like dudes like him and brendan were just always so into every type of music you know and then you you run into uh to other people within the scene and and they're just kind of like indie is the future metal guys fucking suck rap is is uh you know are the the opinion of some of those guys was like rap is is just like it's too dominated by black people and it was just it was a weird scene and but i but i'm guessing it's because we came in at at kind of like the end of it where like everybody was doing indie mm-hmm, mm-hmm it's also like you bring up Len
0: and it, they are like one of the most fascinating bands to me because nice. well you know get like everyone just thinks of steal my sunshine especially internationally but oh, yeah. that early stuff where it's like a shoegaze thing when Brendan's in the band and then even later when they did that video
1: where they they get robbed at that store spaz yeah yeah <laughs> totally yeah yeah oh dude the uh the the paintings in the background that uh of my of the photo that you took those are all done by mikey by spaz that's amazing yeah man that that, like back um in the day when he owned it with his uh it was his then wife heidi um i would just go to the uh the store and just hang out and we just chat talk and they just had this cool little boutique and he would design the clothes and man it was just such a cool little spot uh, just off of college you know it's so wild when I worked at Much Music
0: I searched for that video like I I combed that library like for two <laughs> days on lunch and I could not find any reference to it and it's because I knew two of the kids the kids that rob the dude from Len in that video were like two kids I knew Sebastian Lyle I think his name was okay. Sebastian something and Colin was the other kid who were like two skater kids but Colin that- yeah,
1: remember that kid Colin? Did Col- Colin had uh some teeth missing and yes. like uh dude, Colin was awesome. He was a hard kid.
0: He was yeah, a yeah, very yeah. scary he... hard kid. That dude was always good to me, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What a small world. How great! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing about Toronto I find and like, you know, I'm obviously when I say Toronto, I I don't mean that in sort of the Toronto-centric way. I mean like geographically the greater Toronto area.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ajax we're, we're, and stuff.
0: Yeah, we're yeah. all everyone's connected through like 1 degree of separation.
1: It's it's so wild, right? Especially with um that whole uh the scene cuz I mean, we were what, what was the club we were playing around those days on Queen? It would have been Rivoli? Yeah, Rivoli, Holy Joe's, stuff like that. Yeah. Um and then but I mean, for the most part we were all on College Street, right? Like we were we were playing um places like uh like D's and and uh oh what was the elbow other- i guess the i elbow saw you guys at room, the elbow yeah. 10 foot pole upstairs one time oh, yeah that's right that's right and um the comfort zone too right yeah the comfort zone that's right yeah <laughs> i know
0: it, that is that is some real toronto shit um yeah. i was <laughs> Going back though, uh before that, you mentioned you know the records being by the turntable in your house. Did
1: you grow up in a pretty musical house? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um the uh my dad would play a record to death. So, <laughs> like um, I mean, just like something like Carl Douglas Kung Fu fighting. You know what I mean? Before yep, yep. he goes to work, he's got to hear it, have <laughs> his copy, and hear it, you know, so like every morning you're just like, Oh ho ho ho, right? It's just <laughs> goes into it and so but um there was just such uh because of my mom there was uh more eclectic uh kind of collections so my mom would just like ventures records she had so many of them and then they they loved those like k-pop compilations as well so there were tons of those but um you know lots and lots of reggae like of, of course because of the the caribbean connection Hmm. soka um you know everything from like arrow sparrow byron lee uh would be the more popular ones and then you know like right down to like just like Guyanese heritage bands like uh the trade winds what do the trade winds sound like it's it's like it's i the the, the way i would describe it would be like caribbean folk music oh that's awesome i gotta check this out yeah so it's it's got that kind of like shuffling beat it's got uh like a like a soca tinge to it sometimes Mm -hmm. and uh really um just grooving man like it it just it has this cool cool feel to it but like you don't want to like i don't know like i wouldn't try to impress a girl with it anymore (laughs) (laughs) like yeah so
0: um i was gonna say that uh like you're you're playing pretty
1: young right you're in 747 by the time you're what like 15 16. I picked up the uh it, it was kind of like the guitar that got passed around uh all my friends and uh basically you you'd everybody kind of got their start on this red profile <laughs> that's awesome and uh yeah yeah I mean the, the I mean the the god growing up in ajax in the metal scene like the baddest guitar player was this dude named shane shane appleton what was shane's band uh he was in nemesis with my cousin stefan and uh my cousin vaughn okay who ended up uh vaughn ended up being in brown brigade with me Mm -hmm. and they had a rhythm guitarist named mike sarson who was uh the older brother of my uh my best friend at the time brent sarson oh that's all okay and yeah it was just connected through all of that because mal havoc has a lot of connections to ajax too right oh man mal havoc i still i still have a band i have a cd from a band that played with them you remember mundane no mundane i i have like maybe if i saw the, the cd or the oh, demo i have no idea if you'd be able to find it anymore Yeah, but the record was Seed, and I saw Mundane with Mal Havoc, and I and it was just, dude, it they blew my mind. They were like, it was like Sepultura roots before it happened. Whoa, yeah, just so percussion driven, so heavy. Guitars were just like, they scooped the mids and broke the knob, scooping them like it was crazy that's wild so was the recording any good too it was it was not bad for uh for the time yeah yeah so there's like a lot of like deep metal roots
0: in sort of like the eastern part of the gta like you know like scarborough with slaughter obviously but like right through to malhavik to like you know like a lot
1: of shredders from from that part of of this world yeah man it's so boring (laughs) so boring at the town. so all you had to do was just like sit beside a radio and and figure out what was going on guitar wise yeah yeah uh so where did how did 747 come together uh well we uh my cousin vaughn and i had just gotten out of a band uh called embodiment and it was a, a death metal outfit and uh we had taken the drummer with us but uh the singer at the time um, these days, he's awesome. He's, he's got a family he's taking care of himself, stuff like that. But uh, he was a wild man, an absolute wild man. We were, uh, I have a vivid memory of playing in a friend's basement uh, and him just hanging off the pipes (laughs) with like a, a, it was almost like a, I don't know if it was finished, but it was like, the Danzig skull on his stomach. <laughs> but I, I kind of remember it not being finished yet. And uh, he just like all of a sudden everything had to be shut down. And then you cut to us just running upstairs. I'm like, yo, where's, where's, where's our singer? Where's our singer? I don't want to say his name just in case. Yeah. But, um, they're like, oh, he's outside and he's fighting on the lawn. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Me and the drummer go to the front door, and yeah, sure enough, he's fighting on the lawn. But the music had been so loud that somebody had called 911. So, dude is like literally fisticuffs with a fireman, just <laughs> and it's just like there's a rumble between the party and the fire department on the front lawn. And this isn't nighttime, this is like middle of the day, Saturday. <laughs> it's, just go, it's just going off and it just there there was no there was no end to it we and we eventually were just like okay well we got tired of watching firemen fight civilians <laughs> so we just started wrapping up cords and, and packing up <laughs> that's insane so was this guy older than you guys with like a dancing tattoo and fighting firefighters oh dude he was way older than us we had a we had a buddy he was so old that we had a buddy named um wait actually no i shouldn't say buddy's name either but yeah like this super extensive cd collection but like their go-to like we're gonna make out with our chicks song now was uh oh, i forget the song but it was by uriah heap <laughs> so all you'd hear all you'd hear is like uriah heap startup and and he'd just be like oh the Heap. <laughs> gotta get out of here back <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm like 16 or no at that time i would have been 14 15 years old so i was like all right cool but yeah all of them were like a good baker's does older than me man like they, they were.
0: <laughs> so could you shred like obviously you're an incredible guitarist but like could you shred like right from the get-go like to be playing with these people that are that much older than you no
1: no 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 i'm t- to be totally honest i'm a way better rhythm player than i am a uh a shredder really i think yeah for sure yeah absolutely you I, bust I, solos live and stuff well, yeah, but I mean, if you really, really break down my solos, it's 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 just within my style. It's just okay. it's it's kind of like how, um, you know, you how a musician like me would approach punk rock. It's like it's it's all there. It's not very intricate, but it's you know, my my passion has always been playing rhythm, and it's just because you know guys like Scott Ian and uh the the dudes in anthrax who i think if i didn't appreciate that band as much as i did i don't think i would love punk rock as much as i do i get
0: that i can see that and both and like not so much i guess with with carrie king but certainly with jeff like the punk rock hardcore influences there and and scott ian as well like there's huge yeah
1: absolutely absolutely from
0: that stuff too so i could totally see that and that's for me the metal stuff I like more too is like the stuff where it is kind of raw and it does kind of have that connection to, you know, kind of like the punk stuff where it is kind of like gritty.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've I've always been drawn more to um to having fun and and uh you know, a little more of a lighthearted approach because, you know, music for me growing up was was an escape from kind of like the shittier parts of growing up, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, being like, not, not to draw too heavily on, on the experience because there was my, my, uh, it was definitely heavily in favor of positive experiences as a kid, you know what I mean? But those, you know, sometimes the, the negatives would, would kind of weigh and it just, it made me go to things like funk things like reggae you know what i mean and and i i just love hearing music where people are having a good time and they don't care if you are you can either come along or you can sit in the corner and sulk. you know what i mean yeah 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 but then you know i also i also love type negative o- too that's some some heavy <laughs> selfie music
0: yeah definitely yeah
1: <laughs> there's
0: you know but you know there's a party there too somewhere you know Pete yeah, Steele was exactly. having a good time yeah, yeah, yeah. um were you like a fan of much music stuff did you have much music growing up
1: oh, of course of course um man one of the first times i remember being like oh man that lady is beautiful <laughs> yeah. was uh I think it was Madonna's material girl video <laughs> yes. and I was like wow and, and and yeah like of course you don't know because you're a child but it just kind of started me down a uh a path with much music and a lot of a lot of like like goals and dreams were kind of built off that like th- they would go to Reading Festival you know what I mean like mm we had master T bringing in dudes from Jamaica that we like, we only knew about some of these guys in Jamaica because of tapes that we would get when we would go back to, uh, to visit Guyana with our parents. Yeah. And like the whole business out there is like you buy one CD and then you bootleg the shit out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my cousins would come home with these tapes. I'd come home with these tapes and it would just be like okay we trade them back and forth and then all of a sudden master t's got these dudes on on uh on uh like mainstream mix. tv yeah on Demix, yeah yeah with his keyboard named roxy roxy my mom's yeah. name.
0: <laughs> yeah. I that was like you look back on that stuff that they were playing on there and even the stuff that was getting on pepsi power hour yeah um, it was like so cool like so much like deep cut stuff and you could tell like It's because, like, you know, Master D loved music like that. And so he's going to put on stuff he likes, you know, in in the same way that, you know, the other VJs felt, well, maybe not all the VJs, but some of them felt like they really love music.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I remember uh, it was Teresa Roncon because every metalhead in the world had a crush on her. Yes. Um, But she was interviewing Chuck from Death, and I remember him... She was like, why are you wearing a a sweater with a kitten on it? And he's just like, because I'm tired of people thinking I'm a murderer. And and like metal at that point, I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Like it's just expression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was a kid that, that because of the way I grew up, um, one of my first experiences with like rock and roll outside of the radio was my uncle bringing me a? I uh, remember the old uh, grocery store, Knob Hill Farms. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it was like one of the Knob Hill Farms baskets. These things were like plastic, yeah. <laughs> like laundry baskets. An iconic basket. An iconic yeah, exactly. basket. Yeah, yeah. If, if you know it, you know out. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever see one, hold it for me. I'm going to buy it off you. But um <laughs> this thing was just filled with CDs that were definitely stolen. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first one I picked up was uh, Led Zeppelin three. Yeah. Right. So I never really had that kind of like mentor in rock and roll. That's like, no, no, you don't start with three, man. You start with this one or yeah. like, you know, so I put it in and immigrant song kicks in and just that vocal kicks in. And I'm like, it scared the shit out of me like to the point where i had to like turn off the turn off the cd player and i was like damn what the the fuck so i just went back press play again uh just shut it off again (laughs) i was like (laughs) that is fucking scary dude it was scary and then but but then all of a sudden i just listened more to the record and to this day it's still one of my favorites man like out on the tiles is my absolute favorite zeppelin song there's a lot of things where like because i had it and
0: i had to love it i i grew to love it you know because it's and i think it would not be the same case now there's probably a lot of things that i hear now that i'm just like yeah no thanks but because because i like would you know i committed 30 dollars or whatever to get this cd unless yeah of course you you acquired a cd some other way um you know it was like an expensive
1: thing that you picked up so yeah. you were gonna love it even if you hated it absolutely and i mean anything you didn't like you just concentrate more on the liner notes yes exactly You're like, Ooh. <laughs> all right like i'm no
0: i've got to pick all these bands that i'm never going to hear off this list you know? <laughs> exactly exactly if you bought and i there's still bands to this day because i bought the wrong record that i i, I have a hard time getting into Because I'm still associating them with being burnt at HMV for like a,
1: you know, $28 import. Oh, uh, what would, uh, what would be one for me? Uh, although now I got to say I've, I've eased up, but I remember, uh, mortification. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, I got the record. I forget something steel or something like that i remember it was a red cover and uh i just heard it and i was like no this is (laughs) not for me this is terrible (laughs) wait yeah no and 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 then you're stuck with it because yeah exactly because like you know that you're not uh or or what's it called uh deja vu discs doesn't exist at that point yeah exactly before the cd ucd game became uh so strong yeah, oh my god, dude I, Any young Any young punks listening to this right now Are probably like, this dude Is ancient well, And you know what, you're right you absolutely <laughs> correct Well, you know, I wanted to say though Because like,
0: it's interesting Like you mentioned earlier about things coming back around um, You know, like there's certain things That come up on this show That are major getting on points To to punk music, you know Like, okay. like major on-ramps, so like the B-52s and Devo playing on Saturday Night Live seems to have been something where a lot of people have been on the show of a certain age. Like that was when they were all like, okay, there's something out there, you know? And then like for, for p- people like your, yourself and myself, it's like that Nirvana Green Day kind of like year span, a couple year span, you know, where there's like all this alternative music bubbling up, but then it's you guys like for a generation of younger kids that are coming on this show, it's, it's your, your band. Like you guys were the gateway to so much of this stuff. I was talking to my brother
1: today. You guys are the biggest punk band ever from this country. Man, it's wild. I've never heard that for in, in my entire life, but I just know through um, actually like digging into to things like DMS and people reaching out and stuff like that and actually taking the time to to talk to to um i guess kids and and people that enjoy the music it's like there is some sort of of uh great kind of groundswell with the band and and uh especially in europe going over there and and just seeing that because we we stuck to our guns and and did what we wanted to for uh you know for the most part of course we have mistakes that we made but just realizing that in the long run you know not uh not switching to another kind of style uh coming 180 and uh you know cuz i mean that's really hard to pull off It's just it's a huge huge compliment And I'm not used to those.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I I feel I can totally get that why it's hard to take that sort of stuff. And sometimes I feel like, I wonder if I'm making people feel a little awkward when I heap all this praise on them, but these are things (laughs) I think about a lot, you know, and I think about the fact that, you know, like yourselves and I guess Alexis on fire and Billy talent, um, and then, you know, gob after that. And then, you know, like they're, 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 you know, they're, these were the bands that kids from here got on board with stuff and obviously you guys were you know superstars around the world and and had huge success in other places too but i mean specifically for kids growing up here like this was the this was the on-ramp in the same way that it had been you know nirvana and um sloan i guess from for a canadian band you know before that or doa way back when I guess what you would have heard on Brave New Waves, maybe at that point, but
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, SNFU, like, yeah, yeah, true. Oh, dude, I mean, even just local bands around here, you know, like, like we we grew up with, you know, Old Bonesy from from uh, Out of Hand. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. So like like they they were you know they were helping us out with shows. Uh, The guys in Figure Four, do you remember that band? you know what I, I i gotta send you
0: a photo of my question sheet that i have and for my like notes in front of me because i have figure four written down beside oshawa connection question mark figure four <laughs> dude
1: those guys were absolute gentlemen in that scene they were they were so good to me and my cousin vaughn and our singer at the time a guy named james Fannon. and uh we were playing at uh, a place called the dungeon in oshawa it's, it's an old bar. uh had about a what was it like a 10 maybe 15 year lifespan is that the one that Propagandi played at what yeah is- absolutely oh. yeah, yeah
0: yeah i yeah. guess it was like it was definitely a venue that you know i because i didn't have a car at that point but yeah like it it ran for a
1: consistent few and it was like the punk venue right yeah in in oshawa it was it was the one where where bands would actually come to and play and yeah notable acts like propaganda came through and and uh we were playing one night with uh with figure four and a few other bands and there was a uh kind of like a skinhead band and these dudes kind of like rode the the edge between you know traditional english skins and uh and Neo-Nazis. So they're basically not there, they are Nazis at that point. Like yeah, best- at, are at, Nazis. Well, yeah, they weren't saying, hey, don't hang out, Nazis. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So the uh we were getting spit on. Cause of course, like there were we're two Indian dudes and a black dude, right? Like we're were, were prime prime real estate for those dudes. And uh I just remember kind of looking down on my guitar as as I'm just like, this is insane. Like, I how is this a part of our scene? And looking up and seeing Chico from uh from figure four dragging two dudes up the stairs. Yeah. So apparently, figure four just kicked the shit out of those dudes for a good like 10 to 15 minutes of our set, came down and just tore the tore the roof off that place that's awesome yeah it it was it was a good night it was a really really good night
0: that uh well i'm sorry you had to deal with that in the first place but it's it's cool that like i remember them being super cool as a band like they gave my old band you're in trouble a show at the 360 actually did you guys play the 360 with them one time i think we did play the 360 with them I think I played with you in my, you're in trouble. I think I might have a flyer somewhere. I got to look for it because I think. Oh, please, dude. Dude, that band name, by the way, is incredible. It was definitely the best thing about that band. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably no other good thing about that band, but, but, uh, yeah, they were nice enough to give us a show that night. And it was, uh, yeah, because there was a lot of, like you mentioned off the top, there was like a lot of attitude, um, it, like, especially in Toronto. Toronto's like, the chip on your shoulder capital of the world yeah totally you know like 100 percent. if you start getting success god help you if you're in this area because it will not be a pleasant ride
1: locally i know but but then you meet um i don't know man like you you really meet uh i mean guys like al you know what i mean from you know the almighty trigger happy i was gonna say trigger happy yeah you just like you meet guys like him and it's like oh okay okay so it is possible to be a band and have success and not have your entire scene turn on you because you know guys like him are just they're just they're good to people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and you know what what do you think of the raw energy bands like back then? Were you a fan of
0: that's of those bands like obviously Trigger Happy, but I mean you know Five Knuckle Chuckle and Trunk and
1: the like. yeah I mean th- those were the bands that constantly came through Oshawa, right so yeah. uh, they would play like the Moon Room or the Polish Hall and those were kind of the bands that that um, once I did start kind of delving into punk rock we would always go out and see yeah and you know we we had a we had a couple shows with. Uh I believe uh one of the first one of the first uh lineups of Jersey. Yeah. Before but, the Ron Ronergy when they just had that demo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So and then yeah, I mean that whole scene kind of evolved into um it was kind of us, closet monster. A band called AWOL. And then um, there was a great band uh, that ended up folding. um, Oh. Was it Special Ed? Lucky Number
0: Seven. Oh, Lucky Number Seven. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there was just so many, so many. And then, like, I mean, like Chuck Coles and I grew up in the same scene. But didn't meet until like you know 10 15 years later and now <laughs> like, like like he's my family you know what i mean like one of my favorite people on the earth yeah it, but, it, it, yeah
0: it was a big scene like that like you know if there's any scene that i think needs further documentation in terms of like micro punk scenes at that time it's it's definitely that ajax oshawa scene you know, the fact that you guys kind of come out of it. And then, of course, Closet Monster and the Avril Lavigne connection there, too. Um, But there's just, like, so many bands. Like, you know, I remember there was Special Ed. And then there was this other band that had, like, they, had, they were, like, one of the first bands I ever met that had a CD. It was, like, London was in the band. So, I'm trying to remember who else was in this band. But it was, like, pre all these other bands. But they had, I couldn't believe it. They were, they were like, young kids that had put out their own, like, CD. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that would be a good idea. But then really thinking back, there was so much drama between <laughs> bands. There's a lot of beef in that scene.
0: Holy yeah, shit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I I just think that that was getting out of that scene was a really good idea because the, the bitterness that those beefs kind of uh, spawned it was it just it was counterproductive and i think that's one of the reasons why the place we used to play all the time the chameleon cafe is now it's a place where you go and buy tires yeah you yeah. know like yeah like the 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 uh, wedding family came and did something really really cool there but we were we were just too we couldn't see past our our own bands at that point I guess that's the, the the burden of the,
0: you know, kind of like when you have a scene and everyone's kind of like vying to kind of, I don't know, like it, it just it just feels like, yeah, there was a real competitive competitiveness at that time amongst bands. Like I remember, you know, like with some 41, like, uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to like you guys because I was friends with this band that was friends with this band from Oshawa that you guys had beef with. And it was like, this was like this whole weird division within this like yeah scene of 25 50 people at most <laughs>
1: yeah that's what I'm talking about and it's just like yeah well this guy did did this to this guy I was yeah okay well is the music good <laughs> like I am so confused anymore
0: I think all your guys demos are fucking amazing that's the thing about your scene too is like those closet monster demos hold up like yeah. uh, you know obviously the uh, your demos like classic I want to be your astronaut we were on the Punk No Die compilation with you. Um, oh, wow. With my other band, Promise Kept. Actually, three bands that are members of Fucked Up are all on that tape comp with you guys. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. It's Promise Kept, Youngblood, and uh, I can't remember the name of Mike's band. But anyway, like you guys were the standout track on that comp when we got the tapes
1: back. Oh, man. I, those, those days were wild. I think that might have been... I think that was that was John that was playing guitar at that point oh really before you joined the band yeah yeah dude John fucking great dude hilarious I remember when he first came into our high school and they were just like this is our guitar player John and we we hit it off and yeah man because that was a good dude well because
0: there's two demos right there's that demo that was recorded at Ryerson and then there's that second demo before the half hour of power came out, right? Yeah.
1: Wondering. The second demo I was a part of, but the Ryerson recording, that would have been um that would have been John. So where did you guys record that second demo? Uh that one was Metalworks. Oh awesome. So that's already yeah. after
0: you guys had met Greg?
1: Yeah, this this was actually we recorded that one with Mark. Okay and uh he took us into metalworks was just like yeah this is you know we're gonna take you into a good studio this time and and we went and it was just like this is insane we had never been to anything like that before i mean uh, all of us i i believe every single musician in durham had been in simon's studio simon (laughs) head but like metalworks was was another level and, and that's no disrespect to Simon, but it's like he just, he didn't have triumph money. No, exactly.
0: Like, Metalworks was, like, you know, that was the making it studio. I remember, like, that's, yeah, like you're saying. And then, obviously, like, no disrespect to Simon, because Simon documented so many key moments in, in bands' careers and, and obviously put out, like, a lot of great classic recordings. But, yeah, yeah at the man. same time, Metalworks is, like, <laughs> that's, like, one of the biggest studios in Canada at that time.
1: Dude, Simon also drove our asses around North America. <laughs> really? He wrote <laughs> it for you guys? Yeah, Simon was our our uh our sound man and tour manager for the longest time, like like a while, man. Like he put up with so much shit, put us through so much shit. <laughs> and yeah, like we we learned a lot from Simon touring early on. And then at, at one point like Mark from SNFU shows up and he's our, he's our guitar tech (laughs) and like, but like he, he was a great dude, but you know, like I I specifically remember him forgetting all the tuners and possibly a guitar at a venue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was that like that first, I remember meeting you guys at the, um, the hundred million trouble charger video shoot.
1: And oh, wow. Okay, yeah.
0: You guys were saying that at that point like it was like your first tour it was like an all like college tour type thing and the first US tour I'm talking about that was like all like Oh, no,
1: no. No, actually the first the first uh US tour um was actually with Face to Face. Really? Yeah, and we met like our peers on that tour, so like Newfound Glory, us and uh Saves the Day were on that that uh, that tour so when was that tour the first that would have been 99 I think I'd have to I'd have to search up the actual dates but don't quote me on on that year it's it's uh it's wild like
0: how you know pivotal those kind of years were like in the late 90s for what kind of comes in the early 2000s like you're mentioning like the bands that you kind of hook up with on that tour it's like you look at the next sort of like bands that would explode into
1: the next decade. Uh, it, it's it's those bands. Yeah, man. And we all kind of rode the tsunami known as the music business in, onto the shore and just crashed into Napster. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we well, were the last of the bands to like make it in the
0: traditional music industry sense before uh, Yeah, everything got turned upside down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, like two of our two of our records were released during a time where the entire business was just kind of like what the fuck do we do? Yeah. You know, everybody was kind of rewriting the um the the kind of like the formula, the business plan. Yeah. No, it was
0: definitely like uh you know, it's weird now because you look back on it and how destabilized everything was. You know, people were like, "Oh, it's the death of the music industry." Obviously, the music industry just did just fine in the end for itself but you know at the time it was yeah like oh this
1: could be it you know like bands are just going to be self-releasing everything from now on yeah to me it, it kind of just like it broke that that um that funnel that only let certain acts through and now in my opinion yes there's a lot less of the pie but there's more for people that deserve it. yeah, you know what I yeah. mean like like people that put in a lot of work and and really had to learn what to do in in this whole like new business like I don't know, man i I really like the fact that um I cannot hear the same band you know for an entire week. I think it's awesome but i but i also i also miss the attachment of discovering a band that um you know that whole feeling of like looking through uh you know looking through their lyrics looking through this looking through that i i think that that attachment to the artwork and what is that representation of that band at that time there's a little bit missing but it gives me more time to kind of concentrate on the music yeah no definitely i
0: i I think the other thing it takes away from is like the incubation period that a band would have you know like that for you guys i guess that like 97 when the band first sets forms i guess in it it, to like you know 2000 kind of kind of period 99 period where it's just like you 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 form like you get a chance to kind of figure it out a little bit and now it's every you're you're out there you're pushing your stuff from like 14 years old on like to the world right yeah i i've got uh you know like i I definitely there's multiple times i've talked to people um normally cannabis dealers i find but like they're just like (laughs) they record their first ever demo and they're like i'm gonna put up on spotify tomorrow and I'm like that might not be the like
1: you might want to wait till the second recording yeah totally absolutely man it, and like it it's weird about uh how how drug dealers got the best gear yes and a SoundCloud. yeah well everyone want, everyone wants to be on
0: stage at the end of the
1: day <laughs> it, it is true it is true yeah
0: um what uh, I wanted to ask you actually, how did MC Shan wind up on Half Hour of Power?
1: This is a connection through Snow. Uh. So, um, what's it called? Uh, Greg had started a band with Snow, and uh, they have recorded. <laughs> I know, so it, it's crazy, right? Like, it, and uh, they recorded a record together, and uh, that was. <laughs> have actually, you heard this record? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek was was in the band. That was the that was the moment that Derek wrote into deep oh I think Ben told me this one time years ago that this was like ben, yeah but Ben's got the ben we had to actually contact Ben and be like, yo you're telling the story wrong <laughs> well that that does not surprise me for a second <laughs> i I but by the way I ben is fucking rad we did a lot of touring with him and and uh that dude is yeah. He's nothing but good to me. But so but, but I did have to reach out at one point and be like, oh dude, like <laughs> y- what you've heard about the story is not the story. how the story went. <laughs> so um the name of the song came from uh I I had come from a uh a meeting downtown and there was a uh a thing at the science center called Into the Deep. Yeah. And uh, we were just kind of like fooling around with lyrics and and this and that. And he had the melody. And uh, we sat there and we kind of went through the uh, the lead at the front together. I came up with uh, a little bit of a, a harmony on it. And uh, I was like, what is this song for? And he's like, oh, it's for uh, such and such. And I'm like, oh, shit, man, we should use this for us. He's like, eh, I don't know. It's not like we we were just... And then he played me the song and I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? It's probably not probably not heavy enough for us. And then um yeah, so it ended up being like that and we wanted to to incorporate rap into punk rock because we loved rap, we loved hip hop. Derek loves old school hip hop. I, you know, my my true love is like you know that kind of what everybody refers to as the golden era, but I love new rap as well. Like, I, I can't lie. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, we got a chance to record with MC Shan. And the whole thing happened because um Greg was kind of like, Hey, like you guys want to learn how to rap, like you should learn how to rap from MC Shan. So we were like, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, of course. So he'd constantly be like stay on beat stay on beat and for, for at this point our only real experience was like okay I'm I'm DMC your run yeah. like we <laughs> yeah. pick who we were in the van and just rap on the way to London to go play the embassy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so he was just, he was, he taught us like the pen in the mouth trick, like for pronunciation. And, uh, he just had all these stories, uh, almost got divorced twice, but like, as he <laughs> almost getting divorced is still pressing record and being like, like yelling into the phone and then press and talk back being like, stay on beat. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, it was, it was wild, like crazy, crazy times. but, when you really chat with that guy and listen to his experiences and his knowledge, you're, it's like, no wonder, no wonder like he was just such a Queensbridge icon. And, and because of dudes like him, we have, we have guys like Nas, you know what I mean? Like mob deep, like it's, you know, I bet even, I bet even Beck drew a little bit from MC Shan, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think everyone, yeah, like, cause like the, the,
0: the ripples he had, you know, and especially, you know, the, the, you know, like obviously the, the beef, the legendary beef, but like, I think just as like an artist prior to that, and even after that, and even during that, like he went toe to toe with KRS one, you know, like it's, he is definitely like an icon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even KRS one was just like, yeah, I mean, the dude KRS one is like, this guy can rap like, yeah, It was just a battle it was just hip-hop that that's it yep and that's i guess that's kind of what drawn that back to the the durham scene that's kind of what the Durham scene was (laughs)
0: yeah well i I gotta ask this uh was like in the in the uh you know what we're all about spider-man song yeah we beat down london we slayed la was that directed at london Cause that's what someone told me back then and that they were like, okay, we can't like some 41 anymore because they diss London on this track on the Spider-Man soundtrack.
1: Oh my God. No. Was he going around (laughs) telling people that? I don't know if he
0: was, or if that was coming from the people in blank stare at the time, it might've been. Oh oh
1: my God. Blank stare. (laughs) (laughs) No way,
0: that <laughs> might have been from Matt Wesley actually. If I remember, you still talk to Matt, how's he doing? I haven't seen Matt, I ran into him one time at Dufferin Mall around
1: 2005, I guess, but I have not seen him in, in since then. So, oh wow, yeah, no, 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 it was because you know we had been to London and, and <laughs> yeah. played a show, <laughs> 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 yeah, I know, like, like the, the uh. Kind of like the rule of thumb as a new band is that the toughest places to play are places like London, the big cities, New York, L.A. Yeah. And for some reason, this band, we never had a tough time in those cities. I think we have, we probably had a tougher time in places like Oklahoma. Yep. Idaho you know what I mean Th- those were the kind of like the tough places and uh, yeah I mean yeah I've no idea why those those cities went so smooth for us but yeah definitely not a lyric about Mark Spickluck. <laughs> <laughs> these, hope- co- these are questions I've had for so
0: long you're you're unburdening me of so many questions I've thought about these oh. things have kept me up thinking about for years
1: oh dude uh, mark if you're out there dude you did so much for the scene you did so much for for music in canada in general and i got nothing but love for you that lyric is not about you
0: once again i, I gotta stress that i did not hear it from mark back then um I, oh I yeah, yeah yeah no i'm just saying so, no i just want in case he does hear this i yeah. don't want him to think that
1: i'm trying to rekindle past uh ajax beefs
0: oh no way
1: no way the the beefs were all between him and derek anyway mark and i usually got along really really well it it was um it it was also wild to watch
0: that happen to you guys because like you know um that was the first time i'd ever seen it happen to a band that that i not that i knew you guys back then but like that i was like part of the scene you know when it when that rocket kind of when you guys you know took off it was incredible to watch happen because it was like, well, it never
1: happened, you know. Like there's yeah. there, there's no band from Toronto that had achieved that. Man, I I still get that way. I got that way with with Billy Talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were because they were a band while we were a band, and just seeing them take off at the heights that they did, it was it was just awesome. I mean, even just it doesn't matter. Like watching you guys go, it was fucking rad. Like it, it just it's there's an inherent kind of feeling in me i mean even i even get it with bands like like Radkey. you know what i mean i Mm -hmm. i love the dudes in rome uh a uk punk rock band it just it it warms my heart when i see uh people that care and and you can usually tell uh within the music if they've got that kind of you know us or die kind of attitude it's yeah. almost like that that kill them all attitude like the, the attitude you hear on that record as opposed to uh to all the other records it's like we're here fuck you like you know yeah no it, it's
0: it's just it's to me it's like because i'm obsessed with talking about this shit on the show where it's like you look at the la punk scene you look at all these people from from this little tiny like you know the mask where you had like you know a hundred some odd people and a you know half of them wind up doing something interesting in culture i i you know i look at toronto and i look at the scene that's kind of happening we're talking about brendan canning like yourselves like you know it, it just it there's just so much stuff that was like just within the
1: scene of like what like 100 250 people at most i know i know but it was so it was that uh it was kind of like that that middle Toronto Queen Street, yeah, kind of scene that just yeah everybody was kind of intertwined and man when when the reverb went and when Ron Boudreau moved out of that a- apartment that was that was that was, kind of, that was kind of the death of queen street <laughs> the death of the queen yeah. but i'll I'll tell you what though man like like uh daryl is uh daryl at the bovine is yep is flipping that place over and the clientele in there is awesome it's great to go in and play a show for for uh fresh faces again and also
0: i think that's the thing about you know the bovine like that is the only that is the, the true holdover of old queen street like that to me feels like the queen street we're describing you know like, yeah man it's a it's a home away from home for a lot of us like and yeah um i gotta ask you how did
1: that whole dmx thing happen in the video Oh, dude he was in town shooting uh exit wounds i believe with Stephen yeah Segal. yeah And, uh, of course, because of the connection between Island and Def Jam, we were just kind of like, yo, uh, can we get DMX in the video? (laughs) Like, well, he's shooting a movie. I mean, we'll see if he's got time. So the call comes back and they're like, yeah, he'll do it. But he wants a four-wheeler for him and his boys. We're like one four-wheeler. They're like, no, no, no. A four-wheeler for everybody. (laughs) And 30 grand. <laughs> and like, you know, when you're like tugging on your parents' shirt, it's like yeah. the 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 Optimus Prime where he gets infected with the spores, like that's out. Yeah, yeah sure it costs 12 bucks. And the other Optimus Prime is 10 bucks, but you, you want it? Yeah, you gotta get that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, this time my dad didn't go, no. Put it back we don't got money for it the our, our label daddy was just kind of like yeah i mean if you, if you guys really think it's gonna be that awesome we were like it's gonna be that awesome <laughs> that's amazing so, yeah and then he yeah like i believe it was uh it was b rad's idea to have dmx ride through the party on the four-wheeler and this is like we're talking like compared to these days as far as like safety and and stuff on sets like you would never see like this type of like okay we're going to drive a four-wheeler through this scene so with a bunch of kids (laughs) yeah make sure you don't get hit and that's like that was the warning and that's it
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's incredible so was he cool because like i remember hearing at that time he's in toronto He like showed up at Tower Records and like tipped tipped a kid of the cash like twenty bucks when he bought his own CDs.
1: And Uh, DMX every run in with that guy after that. I mean that he was he was just like. Of course he didn't remember us. Yeah, (laughs) but that's kind of like the true test, right? Because because (laughs) if you meet somebody five times and they're a nice guy five times, they are a nice guy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly but, uh, every time it's like groundhog day all over again with that idea. exactly exactly but yeah man the guy was the guy was awesome and come on man like some of those lyrics like they, they go to a dark place but like what like what a fucking mc man like th- that energy was so rad and he, he's just one of those one of those performers that i i we're not gonna have another one
0: yeah changed music forever like his yeah. his his approach to it like his the vibe i remember seeing that video for the first time on rap city and just being like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen like the black and white one just being like this is
1: yeah this is in- in- insane and that vocal man like yeah was just so like in your face tough intense yeah it was that was great uh, what was it like working with Tenacious D, you know, back then? Those guys are amazing. Those guys, dudes. like, what you see um, in, uh, as far as, like, Jack Black in interviews and in, what you see between the two of them, I, that's who they are. Yeah. They're some of the re- they're they're two of the realest dudes out there. And we had to do that song because uh k-rock was like we want you to do a song but it's got to be a duet and it's got to be a christmas song and it's got to be original so we were like okay and we had gotten into the d massively because of uh our producer on all killer no filler jerry uh he introduced us to the uh the old like hbo show that they they put on um the whole like the crazy thing about that song, because the song's all right. Um, it, it, I uh, I missed a Slayer party to write that solo, and it's probably one of the worst solos I've ever recorded in my life. <laughs> and that's I, a Slayer curse. Yeah, I dude. I like the the time where it's like, okay, you're gonna do a song with with uh, two of your heroes. Now uh, go write a solo, and I'm like, ah, oh, cool. I came up with the fucking most terrible shit. You guys, <laughs> can we be friends? uh, um that song because we decided to record with tenacious d they said yes we were like let's get it done so we postponed uh some press in new york that we had to do now this was we were supposed to fly on september 9th and uh, we ended up being in, in L.A. for a few more days. And then we were going to fly in on uh, September uh, flight. We were going to fly on September 9th and then fly back out for a Blink show on September 11th. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if Tenacious D didn't say yes, we were going to be on that flight, man. That's that's insane. Right? That is so wild. Holy! I God. know. I know. Like, quite literally. Quite literally, that band saved our lives. That is yeah. No, they, and I repaid them with that fucking terrible solo. <laughs> hey, that that solo, uh,
0: you know, that that solo comes from a very real place now. A very, yeah. very <laughs>
1: real place. So
0: <laughs> yeah. That uh that's amazing. That that what a wow, that that yeah. I could not you know, it was also you know, like after that, everything kind of changed for a minute in terms of being in a band, I can imagine. Like we hadn't really started touring yet but after that like travel for a
1: while like were you guys stranded in LA after we ended up uh cuz we we had a a uh, bus out there waiting for us cuz we were going to fly to fly to New York fly back and our bus was already there to hook up with the uh the blink tour yeah and uh once we got word that the the shows were going to be canceled because all of us were just kind of like well no, like this. This isn't something that can go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up just hightailing it up north to Vancouver, and then flew home from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, I, go on, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, it's okay. I I just I remember the day. Just like we had this uh, tour manager who was like one of the best, but he his voice had the emotional range of an orange. Yeah, like it was just like hey turn on the tv the world's fucking exploding and yeah. r- sure enough we turn on the tv and we're like holy shit and then yeah got out of there and, and, and oddly enough that was only one of like several brushes with death in this band well i know that congo thing because i i i went to the congo uh
0: a few years ago to to make a documentary. And my previous knowledge had been of the Congo was your guy's trip there and just like being like oh
1: my god some 41's trip dude that was gnarly there was the bombing in Trafalgar Square uh we were supposed to be parked right outside the uh the underground station like there's just there's so many that it's it's like oh got away with another one we eventually got numb to it what were you supposed to be at trafalgar square for during the yeah, i remember the tra- trafalgar square bombing. Oh, we thing. were yeah we were booked into the uh the hilton that was on uh on the corner there in trafalgar square and we were supposed to be parked outside until we could check in and so we would have been like we would have had our windows blown out maybe the bus blown over damn
0: holy fuck!
1: yeah so we ended up uh we ended up driving straight to aris france And, uh, we all got absolutely blitzed on the, uh, the ferry. I was kind of famous for like not partying too hard and and sobering up eventually. Yeah. And, uh, we, I remember going to bed and, uh, calling my wife at the time and a knock at my door at three in the morning. And I look, and all I see is Cone's forehead, in the uh, the people. So I'm like, oh, okay, Th- that's Cone for sure. Like, so I open up the door, and he's just like, he's like, we got to break Derek out of jail, right? <laughs> <laughs> And dude, his fucking tongue is hanging half off. It's, danging, it's oh dangling. It's my- dangling like a pendulum, right? And I'm like, what the. F- fuck is going on right now so he's like we gotta break (laughs) Derek out of jail what dude go fucking gargle gargle or something like do you know your tongue is hanging like he and he goes my bathroom gargles I'm like babe I gotta go she's like what is happening (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I think I gotta break Derek out of jail and then (laughs) just hang up the phone I go to Cone, I'm like, dude, we're not breaking Derek out of jail, like, let's go get Jeff. He's like, I don't know if he's got that kind of time. Like, like talking like Derek's gonna get the chair, I'm like, what the fuck happened? What happened? He's like, we're getting, we're getting wasted. And, like, I can hardly concentrate, because all I'm seeing is, like, this thing just flapping around like a tie in the wind. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, like, what happened? he's like? Oh man, we we were, we were partying, and then we got outside, and then Derek jumped on this guy's car, and then he punched Derek, and then I went to go punch him. Somebody punched me, and then you know we're just hanging out, and then Derek got carted off by the police, and it was just like, and it's like this is the night before we had to play the festival in the square, <laughs> of the city. <laughs> so it, it, like so. Like it all worked out eventually, but like Derek came with like Joker smile stitches in his mouth. <laughs> A cone had his tongue stitched together, <laughs> and w- Stevo, <laughs> Stevo, <laughs> and our drum tech, our drum tech, tells this story about him and Stevo getting lost in the park. <laughs> So they're just like in this vast expanse of like store of forest in the middle of this city, and Steve was just like, "Dan, I'm too fucking drunk. Let's just fucking spend the night in the forest." <laughs> 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 uh, dude, Go on, you gotta write a book. There's so many stories. <laughs> it was just, it was a wild night. I mean, yeah, uh yeah, I, and they're, they're the stories are kind of vivid because we we. I don't know. I've been spending my time doing podcasts while uh, while the while Doug Ford won't let me play shows. Yeah, that is, wow. Yeah, because like
0: (laughs) the stuff that's going on with you guys is just you know you're so young
1: for all this shit to be happening.
0: Like you know,
1: yeah. Oh my god. So like yeah, and you hear like I heard things like oh Justin Bieber speeds in a Lamborghini, and I'm like (laughs) yeah, no doubt like put yourself in his shoes at his age and somebody hands you the keys to a Lamborghini. Of course, you're going to floor it. Yeah. (laughs) Why not?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, people forget that at every age you think you're
1: an adult at every age you think you're as grown up as you're going to be and every decision you're making is good. Exactly. And then, you know, uh, until like it kind of turns around on you and you're like, Oh shit, I am I am actually old. And yeah, like I'm I'm like halfway there. Yeah, it yeah. happens one day. Like you yeah. you're like
0: <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh shit, all this all this bravado has turned to regret." <laughs> it, it uh I, I I wanted to ask you actually, you know, I've talked to you forever and if you ever want to come back here and do a part 2, please know, Dave, the door is
1: always open. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. This time I won't this time I won't leave you hanging for 5 months though. Oh, do not worry. This has been worth every minute. This's been <laughs> this's been
0: well worth the 15 years plus years we've been talking about too. Um I
1: appreciate you. I uh, I wanted to find out like what was it like working with Iggy Pop? Oh, dude. How many Okay, how many times in your life do you hear a story about somebody that has done the things that Iggy Pop has done? but still takes the time to walk into his studio, look you in the eyes, shake your hand and say, hey, I'm Iggy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he knows the right amount of time to hold court. And he's just, yeah, dude. Like, he was, he was a lesson in how to treat the uh the generation that is about to take the stage yeah you know what i mean like like yep. it was it was just really really cool to see you know that joe schmo from from fucking cleavage treats us like absolute shit. you know spitting on our pedal boards and stuff like that and iggy pop comes in and shakes shakes our hands yeah You know and you just kind of you get a feel for like oh that's how you do it okay cool and that's just what his vibe was the whole time and he just he hit the song the way Iggy does and then we got to do the video with him and uh some interesting things about him he was just kind of like in the middle of warning us not to like venture too far out in little haiti in uh miami at the point at that time uh he was just kind of like yeah i just kind of like i just like eat my favorite food man like i really love chocolate cake lately so i'm just eating a lot of chocolate cake we're like dude you're like paper thin <laughs> yeah. how the hell and then of course like his uh he was dating uh i forget what her name was at the time but uh she was a supermodel, of course, because it's Iggy. It's Iggy, yeah. And um, he's just kind of like, yeah, I just really like chocolate cake. And uh, sure enough, he like he orders a chocolate cake, downs the whole thing, <laughs> doesn't gain a pound. I'm like, yo, dude, if I sit next to a bag of Doritos, like I fucking feel terrible, right?
0: And he's yeah. just like,
1: well, you know, I just... I know some deep breathing, and that's what I do to keep the weight off. <laughs>
0: that is
1: awesome. And dude, that that's some of the, the light stories he said. Some of the stuff I, I don't know if, if I could do it justice because it's his story, right? But yeah, yeah, of course. He told us some some wild stories after we offered him a glass of red wine, and he was like, Nope, nope, nope. If I drink red wine, I get a little bit silly. <laughs> yes and yeah and then to, to, proceeded, to, <laughs> proceeded so. to tell us a story that puts every single one of our stories to fucking bed <laughs> yeah he is uh
0: we played with uh the stooges one time and like you're saying he was he invited us backstage invited us into his dressing room after the show and
1: just was like like just like the nicest dude and like has no reason to be yeah he's an absolute gentleman but i you know exactly what it's from, man. Like the, the dude like he grew up around parents that were cool. Like yeah. he was he was rocking drums like 8 feet away from them. Yeah. You know until <laughs> the early morning. So like th- this guy grew up in a cool environment and he grew up in a great time for music and he like yeah, he just he's he's got what I think um was missing from a a lot of uh a lot of bands that thought they were going to be huge that we were coming up with and and he's been through it you know
0: like i think that's the other thing like he had he had periods like there's certainly interviews with him that you can watch where it's like "Ooh, he probably would have been a difficult interview during this period in his life but yeah for
1: sure for sure i mean same thing with rollins right yeah definitely absolutely oh that one video oh my god you know oh. the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh like yeah. After a show. <laughs> yeah. And the kid is just like yeah. But
0: as I say, Dave, this has been in an in incredible. And anytime you want to come back, please
1: know that the door is always open. Yeah, man. Pick the subject. Pick the day. I'm. I'm good, man. I mean, we're we're both from the same area, so yeah. I mean, I I have no excuse. I think we could probably do
0: like a 45 minute conversation just about pizza, pizza.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so true. <laughs> the history,
0: thank you, Dave, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Dave can come back anytime he wants. That guy's got to write a book, he has stories for days. I, I and I'm I got closure on a lot of things I've wondered about, uh, for, for a very long time. That was a lot of fun. That's why we do this thing to have. Conversations like that. Speaking of conversations like that, another conversation that I've wanted to have for maybe even longer than this conversation with Dave is talking to the guest coming up later on this week on the show. Kevin Seconds from the band Seven Seconds is here on the show, and it is a monster of a conversation. We go... Yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff. This is a really fun, (laughs) really fun uh, chat with a hero of mine, like one of the most inspirational lead singers of all time. So I'm very, very excited for you to hear that. Uh, All right, that's it. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. We need to protect trans kids, and we need to help trans people protect themselves. Uh, Need to stop hate and violence towards Asian people. Need to just smash fascism. If it looks like fascism, If it smells like fascism, it probably is fascism. And that Nazi stuff smells like shit. So just get involved. Do something, you know, like uh, a lot, you know, show up uh, for demonstrations, show up, uh, volunteer for organizations you believe in, donate money if you can, uh, do something creative for yourself, make something, make art, produce uh, you don't you don't have to even show the rest of the world. Just just make something, make a podcast. Any anyone can do this, you know. Make a zine, start a band. You know, C- expressing yourself creatively will help. It will help deal with mental health stuff. Speaking of stuff that helps, I find meditation really does help me deal with mental health things. Uh, I didn't believe in it. I didn't think it was going to be something that was going to benefit me in any way, shape, or form. Probably why I ignored it for so long. But lo and behold, it does work for me. So maybe try it. What's the worst that can happen? it doesn't work for you, and then then you're no worse off than you were before you wasted a little time trying to meditate. And maybe try it a couple times because it took a while for it to really click with me. But um, maybe it'll click right away for you. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, sign your organ owner cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore. Just let them take them out of your body. Get out. Um wear a mask, get vaccinated, and we can all start going to shows again. And just you know, making new memories. I'll be able to do less podcasts because I'll be out <laughs> making new memories. Getting new stories so you don't have to hear the same stories over and over again. Oh, that's it. Alright. Stay safe, everyone. See you next episode. Oh, remember to check out Oil and Flowers with myself and Buddha Blaze. Talking about cannabis. It's uh, available on your podcast uh, provider. Check that out. Oil and flowers. And that's it. See you next episode. Kevin Seconds. Holy shit. That's a good one. I love you.
1: Bye.